learning how we can deal with interruptions in a way that honors the Lord and turns the situation around for good. This message is entitled, The Ministry of Interruptions. Here is Pastor Steve Holmesy. Open your Bibles. We'll be looking first at Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 13. So if you want to, you can read that with me there from your notes or from your Bible. And that'll be our main scripture. We'll be anchored there for this uh, study of the ministry of interruptions. How many of you are ready to study God's Word today? All right, I'm thankful we can dig in together. Let me read here in Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 13, and this will set the tone for our study. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place, and hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can get the, go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, they do not need to go anywhere. You give them something to eat. Interesting passage here. And at the beginning, uh, we set the tone there by uh, what was happening before this event took place. It says at the beginning there, Jesus heard what had just happened. And what had happened was John the Baptist had actually been killed in a, in a terrible way. You can read that in the verses before these verses here. And Jesus was grieving over that. And he needed some time away. You ever had a situation where you felt like you needed to be away from people for a while? And it says he wanted to uh, get to a private place, a solitary place, just to be by himself. And what happened when he got there? All these people had heard he was heading that way, and kind of like beggars who hear that there's fresh bread, they had all headed over there, and they said, we're waiting for Jesus to come. And so when he got off the, off the boat there, here's all these people. So they interrupted his private retreat. You see that picture? He wanted to get away from people, and yet the people were right there in the midst. What comes to mind when you think of interruptions? Maybe you're on the highway, you're in the left-hand lane trying to get somewhere that you need, you need to get to faster, and uh, the guy in front of you is, is going about 40, 45 miles an hour. For some reason, he feels like he needs to be in the left-hand lane. What words come to your mind at that point? Or maybe in the grocery store, same sort of thing. You want to get in, get your stuff, and get out. That's my approach to shopping. And so you, you look, and there's the, the lines that go back, several people and several carts, and the cashier's taking their time, and you're like, wow. You start to think of words like annoyed, maybe disrespected, or a little more facetiously, you're kidding, right? This is the reality for all of us. We have interruptions really all the time in a variety of settings. And sometimes they're smaller, like maybe you're just talking with some people and uh, somebody interjects and cuts you off right in the middle of that because they feel like their two cents is more important than yours. And those can be little trivial kind of interruptions, but sometimes the interruptions in our lives are not really trivial. I remember, and you probably too as well, where I was when I heard about the 9-11 uh, attack on the World Trade Center in the Pentagon. You probably can remember, many of you, exactly the place, the time, and what happened there. And in the midst of all of that, all of our lives were interrupted in a variety of ways, certainly emotionally and as a nation. Uh, there's all kinds of ways that uh, this was an upheaval for our lives. And so they're not all trivial. And sometimes on the personal level, we, we might lose a job, 
a person we love. Uh, we might lose all the data on our hard drive. Uh, these kinds of things, health can be an issue. We lose our health at different points or that's interrupted. And so all kinds of interruptions happen to us all the time. But thankfully, in God's Word, He's given us encouragement and wisdom for handling this. And we see a great example of that in Matthew 14 that we just read. Jesus sets the, the pace for us, gives us an example, as He does in so many areas of our lives, how to handle the interruptions that come our way. And here's our question. It's on your handout there of what we're going to focus on as we work through this today. How can we deal with interruptions in a way that honors the Lord and turns the situation around for good? How can we deal with interruptions? And so let me briefly touch on three things about that today, just a couple of simple things we'll, we'll use to let God speak to us from more passages from His Word about this ministry of interruption. So first of all, how do we deal with interruptions in a way that honors the Lord and turns it around for good? First of all, we need to expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Every day you and I have expectations of how our day should go correct? We have an anticipation where we're thinking, this is the way my day's going to line up. This is how I've scheduled things. I've planned things out. And it doesn't always work that way. That's our perspective on our day. That's our perspective on our life. But I want to encourage us to, to alter that a little bit and think about expecting the unexpected, making some room for that. In, in our thinking and in our hearts. And this involves two basic parts that I wanted to touch on here. Expecting the unexpected. To do that, we've got to first get God's perspective on our life. Our perspective is set out, and we, we make plans, and that's good. Plans and scheduling and agendas are good. But we need to get God's perspective on our life in the midst of that. Very important. And let me make a statement here. I, I put it in my notes as I was thinking about this. It's not in yours, but maybe you want to write this down. You can plan your schedule, but you cannot control your life. Let me say that again. You can plan your schedule, but you cannot control your life. Now, for some of you, it may come as a shock. Yes, I can. I can control my life. <laughs> but the reality is there's all kinds of things that are not under our control. Notice what the Scripture says here in Proverbs 19, verse 21. In fact, let's read this together, if you would, nice and loud uh, from God's Word. Proverbs 19, verse 21. Let's read. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So notice, we have plans, but what prevails ultimately? God's purpose. We have many plans. We have an agenda. We have a perspective on how our day should go. But ultimately, it's God's purpose that prevails. Proverbs 16, verse 9 adds to that. I'll read it. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So again, we have plans, but who does the establishing, directing of our steps? It's up to the Lord. And so ultimately, God is in control. God is in charge. Uh, the reality is, Every day is, is full of risks that something will happen that's not on the agenda, that's not what we thought would be the best uh, for our day. There's all kinds of situations that come up. In fact, um, not that long ago, back in late August, September, there was, there was a hurricane, you may remember, that hit uh, the, the Caribbean, and then it also came to South Carolina called Hurricane Dorian. And um, my wife's um, parents live in Charleston, South Carolina. 
And they're both 92 years old, still live in the same house they've lived in for over 50 years. They're on the same property, and they're pretty much staying there. And in the midst of that hurricane, though, uh, they had an a interruption to their life. They, they called Patty and, and said, oh, by the way, a big tree weighing several tons just fell in the middle of our house down on our roof. And it turns out, as the insurance company explained shortly after that, yes, uh, folks, you'll be out of your house for about six months. That's an interruption. It's also something that wasn't on their agenda for the day. They didn't put on their schedule, tree falls in the middle of our house. Thank God they were both okay. They were actually in the house when it happened. And God's worked it out, worked it through. They actually just moved back. Patty helped them to move back into their house last week, as it turned out, about five and a half months into this process here. But we can't control all those things that happen in our lives. And, and you have things that have happened in your life, and things will continue to happen. Now, many of us, part of the challenge with that is we, we may live in some dimension of fear or anxiety about what bad things might, might happen that are not on the schedule there. I, I was uh, watching years ago a program called Kids Say the Darndest Things. This was many years ago. I think there's a newer edition now, but uh, this was the old one. And the host was uh, interviewing this kid, and of course, he's asking questions in such a way that the kid would say the darndest things. And he found out that this, this uh, little boy uh, had, had a pastor for dad. He goes, oh, that means you, you pray? You guys pray together as a family? He goes, yes, sir, yes, we do. He said, well, could you give us an example of a prayer you might pray? And he said, well, well, sure. And uh, with all the sincerity he could muster, he, he gave an example, a sample of how he might pray, and he said this. He goes, dear Lord, today I pray that nothing will happen. Amen. <laughs> now, that's an interesting prayer, and I, I'm wondering how God would answer that. And we don't quite pray that way exactly. But in some ways, we're not that far from that. If you think about it, we, we pray according to, again, maybe our agenda, our perspective, and, and we say, Lord, I'm hoping, I'm trusting it's going to work out like this and that nothing bad will happen in the midst of that. And that's just not, that's not, not real life. It's not the, the world that we live in, but... In the midst of this, John chapter 16, verse 33 is one of my favorite verses. And in the message paraphrase, here's what Jesus tells us about a different perspective that incorporates the fact that we have lots of interruptions. John 16, 33, Jesus said, I've told you all this so that trusting in me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you'll continue to experience difficulties, but take heart. I've conquered the world. Take heart, be of good cheer, one translation says, I've overcome the world. But do we really believe this, or is it just a nice verse to quote? Do we believe that God is really sovereign over our situations, not just the world in general, but over our world when we have these interruptions and difficulties and trials? Do we believe that he's conquered the world, conquered our world, and do we respond accordingly and believe that we can overcome in Him. So I'm encouraging us as we expect the unexpected to get God's perspective, Jesus' perspective for our lives. And then also, let me encourage you to trust God's purpose 
for your life. Get God's perspective and trust God's purpose for your life. We touched on this just a minute ago. If you're like me, one of the first things that we do, I know I do, uh, when we face interruptions is to get frustrated and angry. Is that just me or anybody else? Frustrated and angry. Why? Because something has obstructed our purpose, what we intended to do, what we wanted to get done. Something's in the way. We get frustrated. And sometimes that can even lead to, to being disheartened, discouraged. I was thinking about this, and I remembered uh, Job in the Old Testament. Anybody remember the book of Job and what he went through? Job had a few interruptions in his life. His uh, material goods, his home, his, his, all his resources, not only interrupted, destroyed his family, his health, one after the other after the other. And in Job 17, in the midst of that, verse 11 says this. This is Job expressing what he was going through. And we go through this too at different points if we're honest about it. Job said, my days are gone and my plans have been destroyed along with the desires of my heart. And I want you to notice there the connection between Job's plans and the things that had happened circumstantially and his heart. And this is inevitable. There's a connection there. And in some ways, we'd like to say, well, okay, the circumstances don't bother me on the inside, but so many times they do. And that's why we, we need to come back again and again to God's purpose in our lives. And that's where Job came. If you continue reading in the book of Job to chapter 42, the last chapter of the book, it's amazing what happened to Job. He had that aha kind of moment. He said, Lord, now I see it. I see what you want to do. He said this in Job 42, verse 2. It's not in your notes there, but uh, verse 2 says, you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. This was what Job understood ultimately, eventually, not in the midst of everything that was going on. He had struggles and challenges. He was human. Do you have some struggles and challenges? Do you get disheartened a little bit when the interruptions come? You're human. We're all in the same boat together. But Job came to a point of revelation about who God is. And that's what we have. We have the advantage of Scripture the unfolding of not only the Old Testament, but the New Testament, and all God has done through His Son, Jesus, to help us trust God's purpose for our lives. And by the way, Job was restored in a tremendous way. He received back twice as much as he had lost. Now, we won't always get that in terms of especially material kinds of things in this life, but God has promised ultimately He's going to take care of us. He will repay what the locusts have eaten. The years that the locusts have eaten, God will take care of his people. So if we trust God's working these things out for his good purpose, we talked before, sang before about God's goodness, just as surely in the midst of the interruption, he's working this out. That's a key. Just as surely in the midst of the interruption, the difficulty, the trial, God is working out his good purpose in your life and in my life. That's what we've got to grab hold of. That's trusting God's purpose when things are difficult all around us. Notice what James says in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 about this. Again, the message paraphrase puts it this way. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. 
you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Have you ever tried to get out of something prematurely? God, I'm going out the back door. He says, no, 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 stay right here. Stay right here. Why? James tells us, let it do, let it, do its work. Let God do his work in the midst of what's happening in the trial, in the interruption, so that you'll become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12, the apostle uh, Peter says this, Dear friends, don't be surprised or shocked that you're going through testing that's like walking through fire. Be glad for the chance to suffer as Christ suffered. It will prepare you for even greater happiness when he makes his glorious return. God is working. He's preparing us for even greater joy. James says you can have joy in the midst of these things. Even though on the human side, we were disheartened, discouraged at times, God says you can find joy in me and my purpose for you. So important. And so as we trust God with the unexpected trials that come, we're expecting the unexpected, uh, we, we, we can be faithful. Here's two words I thought of. We can be faithful in the midst of that to him and also flexible. Everybody say flexible. What does it mean to be flexible? It means when you're pulled and stretched in different directions, you're able to go with the flow. <laughs> That's hard sometimes, right? I don't want to be stretched. I don't want to go with this flow. I had this flow in mind. But God calls us to, to trust him, trust his purpose. And sometimes that means we're flexible in our thinking, flexible in, in our approach to something, flexible in the direction that we might take. And in all of that, God is helping us to become more of the person he wants us to be. James says he's leading us into maturity to becoming stronger in Christ all along the way. So the first uh, point we're making here is that if we're going to deal with interruptions in a way that honors God and turns it around for good in our lives, we need to expect the unexpected. Let God use the interruptions in our lives. Second, expect the unexpected. We also need to embrace the uninvited. Embrace the uninvited. And for this, I want to go back to Matthew chapter 14 where we started our main scripture for today. It tells us in that story, Jesus was, was trying to have a, a solitary private retreat, and yet all these people were there uninvited and ruined his retreat. Have you ever noticed often the interruptions of our lives involve people? In fact, often the interruption is a person. Some of you right now are envisioning the person <laughs> in your mind. People, if it wasn't for all these people, right? And in Luke chapter 9, there's an account that's parallel with the, the Matthew 14 account. It gives us a little more information about what happened. And it says that Jesus welcomed the people who were uninvited. He embraced them. He welcomed them. Even though that was not part of his agenda, that wasn't what he had in mind. He had this retreat in mind. He wanted to be solitary. He didn't want people around. And yet it says he, he welcomed them. He embraced them. And we need to do the same with those who show up uninvited in our lives. How can we do this? There's two things I wanted to touch on. How do we embrace the uninvited? First of all, we need to maintain a ministry 
mindset. Write that down. A ministry mindset. Let me explain that a little bit more. Ministry mindset. There's, there's an expression I have on the, the wall, the, a drawing board on my wall in my office there. It says this, people matter most. And I feel like that not only should be on my wall, it should be on, on the forefront of my thinking all the time. That's why I put it on the wall, but I have to keep looking at it to make sure I'm thinking about it. Because it's not something that I, I just naturally gravitate to in my own default mode. In my sinful default mode, you know what it says? It says, I matter most. I don't know about you, but that, that comes back again and again, and every day wants to rear its ugly head. And so we need to have something that helps us understand people matter most. Would you say that with me? People matter most. And in the midst of everything that's going on, circumstances all around us, this is so important to have that ministry mindset about people. And, and why do we know that for sure? What does God value most? It's not a trick question. People. God so loved the world, people, you and I, that He gave His one and only Son. Jesus came for people. It's all about the people that God loves. And it's interesting to note, uh, especially in the New Testament, as you look at how God gauges our spiritual development and maturity, so often it has to do with how we treat people, how we respond to people. If you haven't noticed that, next time you're reading through, especially the epistles and, and that part of the New Testament, over and over again, how, how do you treat people, or the Sermon on the Mount for that matter? First uh, John Chapter 4, verses 19 through 20 is one passage that talks about this from the message paraphrase. It says, if anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he's a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Loving God includes loving people. It's right there. Now, you may say, well, that talks about loving Christians. John's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. But a lot of my interruptions are people who don't know the Lord. How many of you have interruptions from people who don't know the Lord? Right? Well, Jesus has you covered in terms of that. Matthew chapter 5 from the Sermon on the Mount, starting in verse 43. Jesus said, you've heard people say, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for anyone who mistreats you, then you will be acting like your Father in heaven. He makes the sun rise on both the good and bad people. He sends rain for the ones who do right and for the ones who do wrong. If you love only those people who love you, will God reward you for that? Even tax collectors love their friends. If you greet only your friends, what's so great about that? Don't even unbelievers do that? Isn't it easy to love people who love you? God bless them. Or people that go with your agenda. You know the guy in that, that lane on the highway who's going as fast as you want him to go? God bless him. It's easy. But God help them if they disrupt our agenda, get in our way. You get the picture there. And I was thinking how the disciples were like this. Uh, one example is in Mark chapter 10, which I think you have in your handout there too, verses 13 through 16. Notice how the disciples uh, didn't quite get this idea of a ministry mindset in the midst of uh, interruptions here, but Jesus did. 
Mark 10, 13, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them, but the disciples scolded the parents for bothering, interrupting him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And then he took the children in his arms. He placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. What's going on here? The disciples didn't want the children to interrupt Jesus. And Jesus said, no, 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 I have a ministry mindset. In the midst of the interruption, I know there's an opportunity here. So we, we need to have this mindset. I was thinking maybe uh, for myself, uh, maybe um, you could pick up on this too. A prayer like this might help me in the morning. Lord, I know somebody is going to show up uninvited in my life today. Inevitably. When I'm tempted to be frustrated and angry with them, help me to choose an expression of Christ-like love instead. So they'll know that you're at work in my life and you really do care about them. So to embrace the uninvited, we, we've got to have this ministry mindset first and foremost. And then secondly, we need to, uh, here's the phrase to fill in there, turn chaos into care. Turn chaos into care. In the midst of chaos and, and mayhem, there are often people who are hurting, lost, confused, and need care. I uh, remember another hurricane situation. How many of you remember Hurricane Katrina a number of years ago that devastated the New Orleans area and hundreds of thousands of people were displaced and uh, all kinds of things destroyed? And I'm thankful at that time Pastor Dale sent teams uh, from Church of the Redeemer down there. And I went down with one team, actually a year after Katrina, our team went down there and there was still so much need. But we found out about a church, many churches, but one church in particular stood out to me uh, that we worked together with some, but they had, they had devastation in their facilities. They had lost people and families and, and this kind of thing. And yet they picked up right away and began helping began reaching out in the midst of the chaos. They ended up helping 170,000 people with food and clothing and the hope of the gospel. How many of you know 170,000 people weren't coming to their church on a Sunday? But they turned the chaos into care, and it resulted in a wonderful outreach of the gospel. Now, that sounds very heroic, and it is, very large scale, but let's zero this in. In our lives, there's a lot of interruptions that are much smaller, and they become opportunities for us to turn chaos into care for people. I was thinking of uh, those who are parents or maybe grandparents here. And you're at the, uh, the dinner table with uh, the children, and they're doing what they do, which is childish things. And one of them knocks the milk over. Oh, no. And the milk spills over all the table, all your food, uh, something, you know, important that was uh, nearby, and the milk is all over the place. Terrible interruption to the meal. But the question is, what do we do in the midst of that chaos? Do we berate the child for being childish? Or do we allow God's wisdom and grace to help us to be gracious to them? We might want to instruct them a little bit, but at the same time, we, we don't put them down in some way in the midst of that. We're turning it into care in the midst of chaos. Or let's say you have tons of work to do at the office. 
Lots of stuff to get, get done. Does that describe your day? Every day? And yet, you know, in the middle of that chaos and everything that's going on, there's a coworker that's hurting and needs some care. That's that little opportunity for us to turn the, the chaos around to caring for somebody. Jesus did this uh, all the time in a wonderful way. It, it's as if when the interruptions come, the disruptions come in our lives, we ought, to, we ought to see that as a sign that says, ministry up ahead. There's ministry in this interruption here. One wise person said it this way. He said, uh, my whole life, I've been complaining that my work was constantly interrupted until I discovered that my interruptions were my work. So, we're talking about how do we deal with interruptions in a way that honors the Lord, turns it around for good. We talked about expecting the unexpected, embracing the uninvited, and then let's talk finally here, kind of an exclamation mark that summarizes what we've touched on. Engage in meeting needs. Engage in meeting needs. Picks up on what we were just saying. Interruptions create opportunities for us to address needs we wouldn't otherwise see. And I'll say that again because this was helping me as I, as I looked at this. Interruptions create opportunities to address needs we might not otherwise see. Pastor Dale's talking about vision in his series, seeing things in a way that really helps to, to advance God's work in our lives and through our lives. And a lot of times, interruptions bring things to the forefront. They, they make us stop and look around at people, especially, and the needs that might be there. We might otherwise ignore those or be very self-centered instead of centered on the ministry opportunity that's there. And as we put here, God wants to work through that in us and also through us to other people. In us, there's stuff that rises to the surface. We talked about it before. Uh, we find out how well or poorly we manage frustration or anger in those moments. True? I might think, I'm talking to myself here, I might think, you know, I'm doing pretty well. I, I don't, I'm not an angry person or frustrated at people. And here comes that interruption, oftentimes a person or people involved in that. And now I get a better gauge of how I really manage that. You know, am I honoring God with that? Maybe if I'm not, it teaches me something. God wants to teach me something. God wants to challenge me in that. And so <laughs> we're finding out stuff inside of ourselves. I was thinking of the story of uh, the, the apostles James and John, disciples. In uh, Luke chapter 9 is an interesting account of them. Uh, Jesus was heading to Jerusalem from the north area, and he had to go through Samaria, it said. And the Samaritan said, no, 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 we're not going to let you come through here. We don't get along with the Jews, and so... Uh, you can't come through here. And James and John stood up, and the Bible says in that passage uh, that they were sometimes called the sons of thunder. How'd you like that title? Sons of thunder. And so they stood up and said, Jesus, these Samaritans won't let you go through their territory. That's terrible. You're, they're interrupting your schedule. Do you want us to call down fire from heaven? Can you imagine? Jesus on that, and, and the account that we have there just says he turned and rebuked them, understandably. But he probably shook his head like that and sighed. So you guys don't understand, do you? 
You're not embracing the opportunity for these kind of situations. Jesus had a bigger picture. He had God's perspective on the whole thing, of course. And he didn't, he didn't outwork his anger and his frustration in the midst of those interruptions, especially on people. He looked for how he could care about them. And so God wants us to, to recognize there are things in us he wants to work on, and also through us to the people around us. And I wanted to finish with a passage that, that shows us, really demonstrates this in a clear way. In Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, it's, it's not on your, uh, the full text is not in your notes there, the reference is there, but it'll be on the screen. And notice how Jesus addressed the interruption. And again, the, you'll see the disciples didn't want him to be interrupted, and you know, their schedule was different than his agenda uh, for embracing the need that was there. So notice this, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, uh, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus did what? He stopped, and he said, call him. So the disciples were like, let's keep going. Don't, don't bother the master here. Be quiet. Shut up. Jesus said, no, 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 no. We're going to stop, and we're going to see the need here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So we're talking about interruptions. We all have them every day. The question is, how do we respond to them? Like Jesus, do we expect the unexpected? Do we leave room for that? Do we embrace the uninvited and do we engage in meeting the needs that are there? Do we recognize that God wants to work in the midst of this, in us and through us? That's our, our challenge. That's the great opportunity we all have. And so let's ask God to, to help us by his spirit and his grace to be the kind of people who respond in that way to the interruptions in our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful, Lord, that you, you challenge us. You give us, Lord, insight that we don't have through your word about what's really going on so many times in our lives, Lord, in the interruptions that we all experience. Lord, I pray for all of us, certainly pray for myself, that we would respond in a more Christ-like way, Lord, especially to the people that we know along the way you want us to minister to, you want us to be available for. You want us to turn the chaos of these situations into care uh, for others. And Lord, we know you're going to take care of us. We can trust your purpose for us. And so, Father, help us, Lord, to receive from you today, from your word, uh, all that you want to teach us. Lord, help our lives to be more like Christ because of what you've shared with us today. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. 
I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm gonna give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that he will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of his name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.